I would invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to finish up chapter 4 this morning as we look at verses 42 through the end, verse 44. Now, as we come to these verses, I want to prepare us for what it is that we'll encounter here in, in verses 42 through 44. And I want to ask you a bit of a question of what would Thanksgiving, our holiday of Thanksgiving, be like if instead of celebrating it in the fall, we celebrated it in the spring? Right. What if we decided that we were going to move the date from November to, say, April or May? How would changing the date change the holiday? Well, the first thing, it would change the food that we ate, right? Because we eat fall foods when we have Thanksgiving. We eat turkey and we eat pumpkin pie and we eat all sorts of uh, things like mashed potatoes and gravy. But if we changed it to the spring, maybe instead of turkey, we would eat lamb. Maybe instead of mashed potatoes and gravy, we would eat new potatoes and beans. Maybe instead of pumpkin pie, we would eat rhubarb pie. Do you guys know rhubarb pie around here in Washington? It, it's kind of like celery that's red and you have to add a lot of sugar to it. I like pumpkin pie better. And yet, celebrating Thanksgiving in the spring wouldn't just change the food. It would change something more fundamental about the holiday itself. Because at the very heart of Thanksgiving is looking back over the past year. As a family, one of the things that we do is we gather together either before or after we eat the meal. And each of us has to share what we are thankful for over the past year. We look back and we say, Lord, in gratitude we offer you our thanksgiving. In an agrarian society, thanksgiving was celebrated when the harvest season had ended and the cupboards were full with everything that the Lord had provided for you. And it's a good thing to look back on the year and thank the Lord for all of His provision. But if we change the holiday to be celebrated in the spring, then this would put us in a different circumstance. Now the cupboards wouldn't be full, they would be bare. The food has been eaten all winter long, and the harvest that we are looking forward to would just be beginning. If we change Thanksgiving from looking back in gratitude to a holiday where we look forward in faith, it would change the very nature of it. What if we had a holiday that celebrated not what we had, but what was to come? Well, this is the feast of the first fruits that the Jewish people celebrated. This is a holiday that the people of God were called to celebrate, that the Lord would provide in the year ahead. A Thanksgiving feast that looked ahead in faith. In the book of Leviticus, the people of God were commanded to celebrate this holiday of the first fruits. We read in chapter 23 of Leviticus, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheath of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. 
On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now, the Sabbath, as you know, in the Old Testament was Saturday. So the feast of the first fruits that was spoken of here occurred on Sunday, the first day of the week. The Israelites, after their Sabbath, would come before the priests with the first fruits of their harvest, the very first plants that came up and were matured and were ready to eat in the spring, and they would offer them before the Lord. And then afterwards, they would gather for a great meal together. Everyone was invited to take part and in faith to enjoy a taste of what was to come in the year ahead. It was a great big springtime Thanksgiving feast. The Lord had given Israel such a great land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey, and the feast of the first fruits was a celebration of the fruitfulness of this promised land. It was Thanksgiving in the spring, a celebration of God's promise received in faith. And in our passage for this morning, we have a band of prophets who have lived through a famine and now are finally ready to sit down for their first springtime Thanksgiving in maybe years. Coming to sit down for the feast of the first fruits. But in the midst of the passage, we realize that to receive it in its fullness, they must receive it in faith. So hear now the word of the Lord, Second Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 42. A man came from Baal Shalashah, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, Give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, Give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray that we might receive it in faith. Almighty God, we come to you now and we pray, O Lord, that you would take, Lord, the promise of your word and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you might enliven it to our hearts that we, O Lord, might respond and in faith receive the promise that has been given to us. Lord, our eyes so often look and see and it feels as though there is meagerness before us. And yet by faith we take hold of the abundance that is to come in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name that we do pray. Amen. In the first verse of our passage for this morning, we come to a pitiful reflection of the feast of the first fruits. Again, look at verse 42. There it says, a man came from Baal Shalashah bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits. Okay, so this man is coming, offering to Elisha the bread of the first fruits. 
the first fruits has come. And he brings 20 loaves of barley. Okay, now these loaves weren't these big baguettes. Most likely they were closer to a, a little barley bun, like a hamburger bun. And fresh ears of grain in his sack. Now what's going on in this verse? How do we understand the background? Well, first, we encounter a man that has great faith. As we remember, Israel was in a time of famine. And this harvest may have been the first harvest that this man had reaped in years. And yet, in faith, he brings the first fruits to the Lord. Could you imagine if you had been out of work for a whole year and you had been scraping along and you had been using all of your savings and finally you got a job, the Lord provided a job for you and your very first paycheck, instead of spending it on yourself in gratitude and thankfulness, you took your first paycheck and offered it to the Lord. That is what this man has done. He has lived on the meagerest of rations for so long. And now the first fruits of his first harvest after years has come up. And he in faith offers it to the man of God. You see, what we see in this man is that he comes with much faith. The second thing that we should see in this verse is how far Israel had gone from the Lord. While this man represents a faithful remnant, he is the exception to the rule. The dynasty of Omri, this evil kingdom that has been established in Israel that led the people of Israel in false worship to Baal and has led them into this famine. They have so overcome this nation that when this faithful man seeks to offer to the Lord these first fruits, he must find Elisha and this band of prophets and not go to the priest, even as the word of God had directed him. Because to offer this feast of the first fruits to the priests that were under the kingdom of Omri would be to offer it to false priests who are seeking to worship a false God, Israel had deviated so far from their faith in the Lord that this man had to offer his offering to this band of prophets. And third, we see how meager this man's offering truly was. Twenty loaves of bread and a sack of grain. Yes, it took a lot of faith for him to offer it. And yet it wasn't much of a meal for this band of a hundred men. Could you imagine coming to Thanksgiving and having such a meager meal offered to you? Maybe you picture it this way. You've been on a diet for the past several months and Thanksgiving is your target. It's your cheat day. Right? It's the day that you're looking forward to. It's the goal you have set on your calendar. And you get to Thanksgiving and you realize at this meal you're going to eat anything and everything that you want. You've been dreaming of ham and turkey and mashed potatoes, gravy, green bean casserole, all the butter that you can fit on a roll, sweet potato casserole with marshmallows, 
pecan pie, pumpkin pie with so much fresh whipped cream on top of it that you won't even be able to see the pie underneath it. Every time you had a craving, you fought it off with the thought that there is going to be this Thanksgiving meal, one glorious meal when you can have whatever you want and you show up and you sit down to have this glorious meal. And it's set before you is nothing but an old microwaved TV dinner. Oh, thanks. Thanks for this meal. Not exactly what you had anticipated. This band of prophets had lived through a famine. They've been looking forward to these first fruits, right? This first sprouting out of what is to come. The rain had come and now there was a new season in which they would be provided for. And all there is to eat are these 20 loaves of barley bread and a sack of grain split between a hundred men. You don't want to be ungrateful. I mean, it's better, better than poison gourd stew. But as we mentioned, this offering was very small compared to what they would have anticipated. Come on. What are we really going to eat? We have been faithful to the Lord. We have done what He has asked us to do. Should He not provide for us a better feast than this? Isn't there more faithful men and women who will bring their offering to us that we might have a full feast? And sometimes I think that as Christians, we can feel a bit like these prophets. We want to follow the Lord. We're seeking to follow Him in faith. And we have high expectations of what it is that the Lord might do in and through our lives. But we continue to live in a world that is broken and where we feel like we're living off the most meager of provisions. We feel like we are just holding on spiritually. The world seems to be winning each and every battle and it feels like we are in retreat. And I have seen over and over again Christians succumb to a defeated posture in their spiritual lives. I hear people say things like, well, you know, there really is nothing that we can do about it. The world is just going to keep getting worse and worse. And so we just need to hold on, get into our holy huddle and hope that we can hold on to one another long enough to make it through until the Lord comes back. Others will just allow themselves to wither spiritually because they believe that this world is so broken that they have no hope of ever feeling joy again. They have no hope of ever feeling peace or love. They do not believe that there is a feast to be had in the Lord. And I wonder, have you come to a place in your walk with the Lord Where you have given in to hopelessness. Where you feel like the provisions that the Lord has offered to you are so meager. If you are a prophet sitting down to this pitiful table, have you given in to the idea that the kingdom of Omri has finally won? We came to the feast of the first fruits and our hopes were dashed yet again. He's destroyed the promised land. The famine is now the new normal. We'll never get out of it. We just have to hold on till it's over. Have you, Christian, given in to this idea that your life in this world is just a time of giving, getting through it? 
Have you given in to the idea that all your efforts to share the gospel are worthless? Have you given in to the lie that you're just going to feel depressed and spiritually drained for the rest of your life, that there's no hope going forward? Have you given in to the idea that the church is a dying institution? Hey, you've given in to the idea that your relationship with God is nothing more than an outward formality with no depth of richness of love and communion and fellowship with God. You see, many of us came to Christ with the hope that we would have a spiritual feast in our Christian walk. And I wonder, have you given in to the idea That your spiritual life is destined to consist of famine rations? Oh Christian, do not believe this lie. For what we have may seem small in the moment. But it is just the beginning. It is just the first fruits of a great harvest that is to come in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is just the very beginning of of the abundant life that we have been promised. For the Lord Jesus Himself has promised, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So Elisha looks at this meager offering, given in faith, and says, beginning in the middle of verse 42, you can look down there and see what he says. He says, Give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, Give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. The feast of the first fruits was about a promise. A promise of a fruitful harvest that would come in the future. And because it was about a promise, it had to be received in faith. A feast in the fall is about a blessing received. But a feast in the spring is about a blessing that is to come that you believe will come. Elisha looks at the meager offering and says in faith, they shall eat and have some left. This is the promise. And to receive the promise, they had to trust the word of the Lord when their eyes saw something different. The eyes of Elisha's prophet saw a meal that was too small to set before their men. Probably a meal that was too small even for 20 men. But they have five times that many. But Elisha saw the promise of God's word and declared that there would be more than enough to eat for them all. You see, it takes faith to receive God's promises to us in this world. It takes faith to believe that you are forgiven of your sin when you outwardly continue to struggle with doubt and guilt. It is difficult to believe that the gates of hell will not prevail over the church when there is so much false teaching And when we see friends and family and children leaving the church, it takes faith to believe that the kingdom of Satan is not gaining a foothold. It's difficult to trust that the Lord is the great physician to us and that He has healed us when friends and family members and even ourselves continue to get sick and we know eventually we'll die. 
It's difficult to believe that Jesus is the Prince of Peace when we live in a world that's filled with war and violence and hardship. You see, the eyes of faith cannot look and see what only this world sees. But we must look beyond it to the Word of God. We must look to the promise of His Word, understanding that we are pilgrims in a land that is not our homeland. And though we have a taste of what is to come, we are not receiving it in full now, but we are going toward a lavish meal. Some 800 years later, Our Lord Jesus Christ had a crowd of 5,000 that were before him. And again, we read that it was spring and there was not enough food for those who had gathered. All they could find was five barley loaves and two fish. And yet the Lord Jesus told the people to sit down and to be fed. In John chapter 6, we read, Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. Even as we read in our passage for this morning in verse 44, So Elisha set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. You see, faith is about what is to come in the future. It is about believing the promise of God's Word even when our eyes tell us something different. Elisha's prophets should have been lacking. There should not have been enough for them. The crowd of 5,000 should have gone hungry on that day if they just looked at what was set before them. And yet, they looked to the promise of the Word of God. First given through Elisha, and then 800 years later, given through the Word of our Lord Jesus Christ, that there would be plenty, despite what they saw with their eyes, if they sat and received it in faith, the promise would be that all of them would be filled. And even more than that, that there would be more than enough. And we who come to the Lord Jesus Christ in a day where we feel like there is lack, we feel like there is continued hardship, when we feel like there is continued hopelessness, we must not allow ourselves to give in to what our eyes see, but we must look to the Word of God in faith and receive the first fruit. Now, if that were all this passage had to teach us, it would be more than enough. But there is more to this passage of Scripture than the Lord providing food for the feast of the first fruits. This miracle meal points us forward not only to Christ's miracle of feeding the 5,000, but to something even more significant in God's Word. You see, the feast of the first fruits was held on the Sunday following Passover. And so if we get our chronology correct, we see that Jesus was killed on Passover Friday, 
he lay on the grave in the grave on Saturday. And then on Sunday, the first day of the week, the feast of the first fruits, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And here we see all the pieces of this feast that was given to the people of God coming together. For this is a feast that looks forward in faith to a great harvest for God's people. A feast that celebrates the beginning of a great harvest that is to come. And this is why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What does it mean that Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep? Well, it means that Christ's resurrection from the dead is the very first taste of the great harvest that will come when resurrection life comes at his return. This is why his resurrection occurred on the Sunday of the first fruits. To show us that this is what awaits those who are in Christ by faith. As Paul says just a few verses later in 1 Corinthians 15, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. This is how our faith operates. The first fruits, the first sign, the first tangible reality of the harvest of the resurrection to come comes in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ when He was raised from the dead. But we who are in Christ by faith, we also will be raised from the dead when He comes again. This is what the Apostle Paul meant when he wrote in Philippians 3, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. You see, the Feast of the First Fruits is about looking forward in faith to what is to come You have a small, tangible reality of a crop that has come up and you taste it and you say, oh, this is what it will be like. And in Christ, those who have been joined to him through faith by his resurrection have a small taste of what it will be like. When we who go down into the grave in weakness will be transformed and raised from the dead on His return. And we will be transformed and our bodies which go down in weakness will be raised in strength. And it takes faith to receive that. Because honestly, we look at our own bodies and we say, man, they're weak. What a meager offering they are. But these are just a taste of what we will receive when Christ comes again. For His resurrection is the dawning of a new era. A new kingdom of eternal life. And by faith in Christ and the promises of God, we begin to taste the fruit, the life of the new kingdom. For the resurrection of Christ was the beginning of the kingdom of God breaking into the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of life breaking into the kingdom of death. 
And we are now in a time of harvest. We are now in a time when men, women, and children from every nation are being saved from death. And the miracle of a great feast from a small offering is pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Revealing to us that He is the first fruits of a coming harvest. One in which we will receive eternal and abundant life. So what if we did celebrate Thanksgiving in the spring? Well, in a way we do. And we call it Easter. The resurrection of Christ Jesus. The first fruits from the dead. By faith in the promise of God's Word, we have already begun to take part in this new kingdom that has dawned. Like this band of prophets, we still live in a world that has been ruined by sin, a world where the effects of famine are still all around us. Yet just like these men, we have faith to begin to taste the fruit of the new age that is dawning in Christ. That just as those He rose from the dead, all who are in Him will likewise rise at the day of His return. You see, the kingdom, the kingdom of Christ is broken into this world. Which means that we are not just to hold on until Christ's return. Rather, we are to look forward in faith, having the first fruits before us, knowing that the kingdom has already broken into this world. This is what Paul means when he says in Romans 8, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. Though we dwell in a world that is broken and dying, yet we live in Christ Jesus, and by the Spirit we are filled with the blessing of the first fruits. Therefore, Christian, despite what your eyes see, by what you read online, despite what you see on TV, despite what you see in your own life, despite what you see on your plate, believe in the Word of God, for His kingdom has arrived. And by faith in Christ, you have access to this abundant spiritual life through His Spirit. So look to the Lord Jesus. Look to Him, the bread of life, the first fruits of the coming kingdom of God. And in faith, Give thanks. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Almighty God, we come to you now in this time. And we thank you that you have given to us a taste of what is to come. And that in our Lord Jesus Christ, we see what our future is. And so we pray that as this body is wasting away, we might in faith look towards that day when our victorious Lord Jesus Christ will return and the first fruits will turn into the full harvest and that we will feast together with Him unto all eternity. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.